Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Final segment of today's episode. I'm a big fan of space. A big, big fan of space. I, I like uh, I like science fiction movies. I like uh, getting to know the history of uh, space travel. I like all the space race documentaries that exist. Uh, when uh, when we as Americans were uh, joined together uh, after the challenge laid down by JFK to to get ourselves to the moon and do the other things uh, as we were competing back and forth, uh, developing our science and our understanding of space travel against the Soviets, it was a, a fascinating time. And uh, if there were something uh, akin to a, a time machine, I would love to go back and and experience that chapter of history and to feel the excitement. You know, you see uh, portrayed in movies, people huddled together watching. Maybe you remember this yourself. I, uh, you know, being too young, I, I can only uh, lean on newsreels and movie depictions of families huddled together as uh, Neil Armstrong took a, a step on the moon. It, it, amazing stuff. And anyway, so I just get very excited about this. And you've heard me go on about uh, these types of things in the past. Uh, I, the, the movie Armageddon, big fan of that. Here's a clip from the trailer. This new one you're tracking, how big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. It's what we call a global killer, the end of mankind. Half the world will be incinerated by the heat blast, and the rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter. Basically the worst parts of the Bible. First off, Billy Bob Thornton, the greatest. Uh, second, I was reminded of that movie as I was combing through headlines over the weekend, and I saw this one, say, from The Hill. It says, NASA, asteroid headed toward Earth before November election. Uh, another one, uh, asteroid zooming by Earth right before election day because, well, it's 2020. Uh, here's one, an asteroid just in time for the 2020 election. Uh, another one, uh, Fox affiliate out of Phoenix, asteroid headed for Earth the day before Election Day. Uh, uh, Channel 2 here in, in Utah. Asteroid will fly past Earth on U.S. Election Day. And then, uh, and I thought, oh, that was very interesting. And then this morning, uh, then this morning, I w was reminded of, of someone uh, I have admired for a good long time. Patrick Wiggins, uh, just after midnight, sent an email, uh, said, hey, uh, I just wanted to point out and clarify a few things about this, uh, about this asteroid and let you know that, in fact, uh, while this one's not uh, going to be as close as, uh, as some of these headlines would lead you to believe, uh, there is one. Uh, on the way a few years from now. So joining me uh, is Patrick Wickens, uh, NASA Joint Propulsion Laboratory Solar System Ambassador to Utah. Mr. Wiggins, sir, how are you? Oh, don't you just love that title? I think it means they're going to send me out when the aliens attack, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you're the designated survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something. Uh, 
Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been seeing a bunch of stuff in the news the last couple of days about this uh, supposed close approach, and uh, it's really not. It's going to be closer to the orbit of the moon than it is to the Earth. Now, astronomically speaking, that is really, really close. But on human terms, 315 million kilometers out there, that's an awful long ways out there. So I'm not going to worry about it. How's that? Uh, November 3rd, let's all go vote. That's the, that's the way. Or, or November 2nd, whichever way, which, whichever day they hold it this year. <laughs> Uh, how, how big is this thing? Uh, it's about my size. You know, I mean, basically, oh. uh, imagine a couple of humans standing next to one another, a couple meters in diameter. So it's it's really small. Now, that's not like the one coming up in 2029 that you alluded to, and that one is coming close. Oh. Uh, which, by the way, that that'll be here on uh, Friday. Uh, the 13th, <laughs> 2029. Oh, <boy. laughs> uh, a very small chance in collision with that, too. But it, it'll be close enough that we should be able to actually see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you will walk out in your backyard and go, yep, there it goes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, this this one coming up uh, in November. Uh, slow news day. I don't know. Maybe they got tired of talking COVID. Uh, but for some reason, this just made uh, made the news. And I just don't know why. Did, did, did it make the news because uh, of proximity or because of the date? Uh, are there other uh, asteroids of this size that pass with this proximity to Earth more regularly than, than, than I might assume? Oh, yeah. Uh, there was one that uh, came very close to the Earth just a couple weeks ago uh, and about the same size. So uh, this is not an unusual event. I think the reason uh, that it's making as much noise as it is is the proximity to election day, yeah. and maybe they're just trying to do a little tongue-in-cheek thing about, you know, well, as a matter of fact, I've seen a, a bumper sticker that said, uh, Meteor 2020, just end it all. <laughs> it is wild. It is wild what has hel- what has already transpired in this year, and we're just barely halfway through it. Uh, an asteroid just seems to fit the narrative of 2020. Uh, before I let you go, you 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 live a, a nocturnal lifestyle, uh, so to speak. What's your schedule like, and, and how do you spend your time? Uh, typically, uh, going around around six in the morning, and I got up about half an hour ago or thereabouts. Uh, yeah, I'm very much nocturnal. I've been that way pretty much all my life. I spent a lot of years in the military and always volunteered for the night shift. Uh, your bosses aren't around during the night shift either. That was always an advantage. <laughs> so, uh, no, yeah, I'm just uh, nocturnal. Spend most of the night in the observatory. And uh, when it's cloudy, uh, I'm processing data or something to that effect. But uh, night person, definitely. Well, I, I admire that, and I admire all the information and insight and expertise you bring. Uh, I, I I was excited to speak with you. It'll be the first time in, in my new role here as a, as a talk show host. The only other times you and I have uh, interacted is way back when, when I was calling you, uh, asking you to explain some kind of uh, NASA-related uh, information when I was uh, producing for Doug Wright. So thank you for, for joining me here today uh, and explaining things as well as you have. And uh, Friday the 13th. Come 2029, maybe you and I'll be uh, chatting again. Yeah, uh, Patrick. We'll in the backyard, we'll watch it together. All right, that's a that's a deal. I'm gonna hold you to that one. Uh, thank right, you so much. Good. All right. Bye now. Good morning. Uh, so that's Patrick Wiggins, great guy. You have heard from him for for years and years on these topics, and uh, it's uh, we're real lucky here in Utah to have someone who can. Uh, break this stuff down, uh, call it like it is, and let us know that uh, our science fiction-y minds uh, ought not take us down paths that are inappropriate and don't exactly jive uh, 
uh, with science. So that's fun. Um, all right, let's see. Before we say goodbye, I want to reiterate uh, a plea I made uh, to about 41,000 of you earlier today, and it is on the topic of convalescent plasma. If you have suffered from the coronavirus, if you have contracted it, if you have recovered from it, uh, you have a duty to share uh, what you have developed. Coursing through your veins right now is plasma that very well could aid in someone's recovery. There is a very important study taking place right now, and all signs indicate uh, a, benefic- a benefit of you donating convalescent plasma. Look for opportunities to do it. Time for me to step aside. Next up, it's Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.